It's time for JT the Brick. Hey, JT, how you doing, man? Now there's a new team, and everybody's pretty much new, and I got their back. I want this thing to work. Everybody's got to get on the same page. JT the Brick. Yeah, there's going to be ups and downs. There's going to be last-second losses. There's going to be a draft pick that doesn't make the team. Whatever it is, it's Raider Nation. JT, thanks for having me on. Always great to catch up with you, and keep her going, okay? I'll talk to you soon, man. And now, here's JT the Brick. Welcome back. Hour number two of the show. We're brought to you by Resorts World and everything they do inside that gorgeous new state-of-the-art Casino Resort, Doghouse Saloon is right there in the middle. You can't miss it. Free parking. Come off the elevators. Be in the doghouse. That's where they have their sports book where you can place your bets and keep it going. Uh, the news today, Daryl LaMonica has passed away. The Mad Bomber, one of the great Raiders of all time. Legendary quarterback, two-time AFL MVP. Two-time AFL MVP in 1967-69. He was the two-time AFL Player of the Year on top of being a three-time AFL champion and a three-time AFL All-Star. He's the AFL's passing leader in 1969, the touchdown leader twice, and the rushing touchdown co-leader one year. He was a brilliant player, fantastic player uh, with the Buffalo Bills and the Oakland Raiders. And I I loved him as a human being. He was fantastic. 164 total touchdowns, 19,154 passing yards, which was a lot considering how much they ran the ball at that time. He was a legend at Notre Dame. You play at Notre Dame and for the Raiders, you have a hell of a reputation. And that news broke earlier today. And we wish the family all the peace that they could have. Rest in peace to the Mad Bomber. Daryl LaMonica, we have an interview that we're going to play here in a moment coming up with that. If you're a Raider fan over the next couple of days, because next week we're going to be bombarded by the draft. It's the draft every day, and the Raiders don't have a draft pick until the third round. So I'm still doing mock drafts. I'm treating it like I would any draft. I'm not waiting because the Raiders don't have a pick to the third round. Can the Raiders move up? Possibly. Maybe they can move up and do something. If they do, that'll be exciting. If not, they got Devontae Adams, and that's worth giving up draft picks for. How will Vegas pull off the draft on the Strip? Uh, They pull off New Year's Eve, which is bigger. This could be just as big. I don't know what my expectations are. I've been talking to some people in the media, and we'll have them on next week. Johnny Katz, Steph McKenzie. People have been in this town for a long time about what the expectations are. Nashville had 600,000. If we don't beat Nashville, that's not good. It's not, and we should because we're not Nashville. Nashville's great. Nashville's amazing, but Nashville doesn't have billion-dollar casino lined up after each other. We have to make sure that we beat Nashville because somewhere down the road, I think Roger Goodell, this commissioner or the next one, is going to say, let's just do the draft in Vegas. I I don't think they'll do that every year, but let's do, you know, in 10 years, let's do three in Vegas and have everybody else get the other ones if if it works. So it should work. I had friends in town. One of my best friends was in town with his kids, and we went to the Bellagio and took a look at the stage set up there. He had a 10- and 8-year-old boy, and we got him jerseys. My wife stepped up and uh, got him nice jerseys, got a car in Renfro jersey for these two kids, and we were walking outside the Bellagio, just mind-blowing, my head on a swivel to see what they're going to do. The location of the draft behind the high roller of the link, Let's just hope it doesn't rain. Bobby and I were talking about the stories. It's not. But then I've, I've seen boats go by with engines when it rains there. That won't be the case. The weather looks to be good as I look ahead there. 
But uh, that location, I was never a fan of that location. I wasn't, and I hope they pull it off because I thought there were better locations where they had the space to do it back there, and that looks pretty good. I'll be anchoring the Raiders' coverage from Dre's, the roof of Dre's, for Raider fans and season ticket holders who are invited to that event. That'll be great. Eric Allen and myself, Jason Fitz, will join us. Q's going to be a big part of that coming up. Vinny Bonsignor. Uh, as if, if, the, if there's breaking news and the Raiders get a pick, if the Raiders jump up into the first round, we will be there to cover that pick. And then after that, on Friday night, I'm at the M from 6 to 8. We love that. And we're pretty close to confirming what we're going to do, which is a week from today with Modelo. We'll be at Caesars outside on their deck at uh, Cafe Americano as we're trying to button that deal up there, too, which I'm really excited about. Love big remotes. Did a lot of them back in the day. This will be pretty cool to be outside during the draft and to do that, so we appreciate that coming in. Uh, we played some sound from Dave Ziegler. His press conference was yesterday. Uh, he mentioned Hunter Renfro's contract, or the question was asked about Renfro, and it's also on the cover of the paper today. Vinny Bonsignor wrote about this question and what Dave Ziegler is planning on doing. A very talented player. Uh, you know, I've been asked about him uh, in the past, and um, he's just he's a, a gritty guy, uh, knows how to get open, knows how to win on third down, has some return experience, um, is good after the catch. So he has um, Hunter's a good football player um, and has a good a lot of good elements that um, allow him to be successful on Sundays, which is you know which is important. And he's a young player. Um, so, um, like I've said before, you know, when we talked about, uh, I think it was Derek at the owners meeting, you know, relative to contracts and things like that, like we're always going to keep those things in house and, and, and keep those discussions private. You know, Hunter's going to be no different in that regard, but we're excited that he's on the team. Um, we love good receivers and, you know, he's one of them. As Vinny Bonsignor wrote on the cover page of the Las Vegas Review-Journal today, Renfro is heading into the last year of the rookie contract he signed in 2019 and has vastly outplayed his fifth-round draft status. The former Clemson standout is scheduled to make $2.4 million in this upcoming season, but after accumulating 208 catches for 2,229 yards and 15 touchdowns over his first three seasons, he's in line for a new deal. According to Sports Track, Renfro's market is a four-year, $68 million contract. Again, I don't get in front of guys' money. I don't. I don't care what Dave Ziegler, Dan Ventrelli, the people behind the scenes, Mark Davis, who is the man who decides on all this, whenever they want to pay these guys. I interview them. I go to the games with my wife, we drink Modelo, I do the post-game show, and I'm out of there. I don't get involved in anybody's money because that's not the way I do business. These guys can make whatever they want. We know that Renfro is going to get paid, and that's pretty obvious. So we got the text today, the call, a couple of phone calls before the show on the passing of the Mad Bomber. We got a call first. Let me get that before we play this interview. I want to make sure anybody calls in, we get you right up on the radio show. It's my time. Your time is very important. Dave in Chicago. Dave, how are you? JT, I can't tell you what a pleasure it is to speak with you. I've been a Raider fan for 55 years since I was 10 years old. And I can't, it can't be overestimated the greatness of Daryl LaMonica. And what he did for the Raider organization and for the AFL itself, I think, can't be overestimated. I was uh, uh, a young kid, and I collected the Topps football cards 
and the display was actually the like the image of Daryl LaMonica. And I waited for them to throw the display out, and I went into the garbage and grabbed that display, and I've got it in a scrapbook to this day, um, because Daryl LaMonica and those those greater greats from the early from the '60s and the uh, '70s, um, I, I think are they're my favorites, and Blitnikoff is is my favorite mm-hmm. rare of all time. But what I want to say is this, JT, I've seen everything. I'm going back to the, the first Super Bowl the Immaculate Deception, the tuck rule, throughout Raider history. I, what I have to say is this. The new stadium and this radio station related to the Raiders are the two best things I think the Raiders have ever done. So I want to get that on, on record, and I appreciate everything that you do, and I can't wait for this season. Probably anticipating what's going to happen this season, more so than any other season, um, in, in the 55 years I've been a fan. Wow. Well, thank you for your time. Thank you. Oh, Man, I, I hope you agree. Uh, yeah, thank you. That's a very nice compliment of you. Calling from Chicago, and I will be in Chicago on May 20th emceeing the Gridiron Greats for Mike Ditka, which is always a big event for me on my calendar. So hopefully we can see in uh, it's Friday night, May 20th, uh, as I'll be emceeing Gridiron Greats in downtown Chicago for Coach Ditka. I want to take a second and thank Heidi Fang, who you hear on a morning show. She just sent me a picture that she found in her files of Daryl LaMonica and I on the field in Oakland when I interviewed him. And uh, this means a lot. Heidi, thank you so much. I just retweeted it. Uh, really hit me hard in the heart there. So the Mad Bomber, Daryl LaMonica, passed away earlier today. I greatly appreciate Heidi sending me this picture and a lot of emotions today here behind the microphone. So Bobby found an old interview that we did from 2020. Here's my conversation with Daryl LaMonica. Raider royalty joins us, the mad bomber, Daryl LaMonica. Daryl, good to talk to you, sir. How you been? Just fine, JT. Great to hear from you. First off, how are you, the family, during COVID-19, being safe, doing all the right things? How has this difficult time been for you? We're getting by all that. I think we all are in the same boat and, and you know, being cautious. But uh, the family's in good shape and everyone has their health, so that's good news. Love hearing that. From Notre Dame to the Bills, I talked to a friend of mine that wanted, uh, wanted me to ask you on how good were those Buffalo Bills defenses you played on my friend reminded me said ask Daryl that because that Buffalo team you came into the league with had one of the great defenses in all of football talk about the early years in Buffalo and how much you love that oh uh, it was Buffalo was great you know coming out of Notre Dame and not having winning ways uh we went right there and uh uh we were just in every game we won two uh championships uh uh, 64 and 65, and uh, we're in playoffs all four years while I was there, and it was a real special team. But we won it with defense, and we could score enough points to, to, and kick field goals to, to, to make it interesting. What a time to be there in Buffalo with those championships, to be AFL champion in 64 and 65, to be a part of that on that special team. They still talk about that today. We're going to get to the Raiders in your career and what happened then, which was greatness, but great to come into the league and taste winning right out of the gate, huh? Oh, with it, without a doubt. I mean, four years in a row, and then I was fortunate. I got traded to the Raiders for another winning uh, stretch, and so I had a really great career. So 
it was very special to me. How controversial was that trade at the time? Because we don't have Twitter and we don't have we don't have Sports Center the way we had it back then. And Coach Flores, who you're so tight with at that point, when you came to Oakland in that trade, how did you feel about it? What was the welcoming committee like for you? Well, it, it, it was a shocker. I had talked to Rob Wilson Jr. and Senior eight hours before I was traded, and they were all fired up, and I was going to come back, be their starting quarterback. And when I hung the phone up, I could have run through a brick wall. Eight wow. hours later, I was traded, and I had to call the Fresno Bee to see if it was for real. And Al Davis was, uh, was calling me at home, and I, I got to talk to him, and he uh, went up and met him the next day. And uh, I was still in shock. And, uh, but it gave me a chance to come back to the West Coast, uh, play for, for the Raiders, and uh, be a starting quarterback. And, and so that was, that was special. And I looked at uh, the roster, and our third league game was Buffalo in Buffalo. I started that same day getting ready for that game, and we went back and um, I had a pretty good day. We beat them 43-6, I think. It's incredible. Daryl LaMonica joins us. Uh, one more thing about the trade in Al Davis. He had such a good relationship with Mr. Wilson in Buffalo. A lot of people talk about that relationship, the AFL years, what it meant to them to fight for the AFL. What did you learn about the relationship between Al Davis and Ralph Wilson and how that came about? Well, uh, they do. They, they were talking, and, and on paper, uh, Art Powell and Tom Flores were uh, both great uh, football yeah. players. And uh, on paper, it looked like a real good move uh, for both both ways. Uh, especially for me, it was a shock at the time, but it gave me a chance to, to, to be a starter and uh, and lead uh, and on, on a winning team. Yeah. And so it, it was uh, back in those days, it was just, we played football. We played the game because we loved the game. Yes. And uh, that's what made it so special. Uh, yes, we competed, but uh, we had a lot of respect for each other. No doubt about it. Daryl LaMonica, Raider royalty, joins us. One of the all-time greats. So, 67, you come over to the Raiders. How does this sound? 13-1, and 12-2, and 12-1-1. And MVPs in 67 and 69. I mean, that's an incredible stretch in the history of the NFL and the AFL. What prepared you for that? Was it Notre Dame? Was it your youth, your family? Was it the coaching? Because you really peaked at the great time in your career. Well, I think it's a combination of a lot of things. Number one, uh, we had a lot of great players on the Raiders, uh, starting, you know, Freddie Belenikoff, Cliff Branch, and Warren Wells as my receiver, Raymond Chester, and Jim Otto, probably the greatest center that's ever played the game, uh, you know, and stuff, and great defenses, and Willie Browns, and, and George Atkinson, and, and that, and stuff, and, uh, but, you know, we, we won together as a team, and that's what was so special. No one individual was outshining the other guy, and, uh, you know, that's the way it was in, in Buffalo also. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that, you have a togetherness, I think, uh, and teamwork. Um, you play you play hard, and losing wasn't part of it. Uh, you know, we never looked at it that way. Yeah, you had one of the greatest records of all time. And this record and what you did was incredible. Daryl LaMonica joins us. So the Mad Bomber, you're throwing deep. 
What was that like calling plays and in the week of practice? You had all these weapons, but at that time, ball control was a big part of the AFL and then the NFL handing it off and then just throwing on third down. Now it's a video game. You wanted to throw it deep. How did you have to sell that vision in practice and make sure you got your deep throws in for every game? Well, basically, I got a lot of that from Al Davis. Uh, Al Davis... uh... Uh, had two things that, that that he worried about, and he said, "What's the most important thing you did today?" And I would say, "No interceptions or no fumbles." Mm. The team with the with the best record of no interceptions and fumbles, you win ninety three percent of the time, and I think that's still the same today. You know, and it's not how many pass completions you have, how many touchdowns you have, and you know that's that's what Al believed in. And Al said, you only want to make eight or nine big plays a game. TDs or field goals are a combination of both. Uh, and then the rest of the time, you're trying to use as much time off the clock as you can. What really made it uh, w- with the Raider offense, we played the entire field. The field's 53 and a third yards wide. With our offensive structure, we used the entire width of the field. So it really opened my passing lanes even wider than they would be if I was only playing in tight formations and, and stuff. And that's what uh, made the Raiders uh, and the AFL different because we would put two wide receivers over on the same side and move the tight end over on the other side. And uh, the old NFL wasn't doing it at the time, and then they were forced uh, to make some adjustments. Daryl LaMonica is our guest. It's, a, it's an amazing era. You talked about Coach Flores you, George Blanda, Ken Stabler, the era after that. I mean, a high level of competition. You guys were all demanded to win. If you got hurt, you wanted to get your job back. What was that like back then, looking over your shoulder, taking over for Coach Flores, coming in there? I mean, this was pressure back in the day. You're, you're not earning the money that they're earning today. You're trying to put food on the table. You're, you're the MVP of the league, and you want to win games. How did you handle, Daryl, all that pressure at that time? Well, you know, it's pressure, but I, but I think uh, it's respect of your fellow teammates. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blander was a great football player. Stabler was a good football player. You work extra hard to be number one, but we know if one of those guys comes in, you know, they'll be able to keep the team in a winning mode, and, and that's what was special. So it was a driving force, I think, for all quarterbacks that uh, you always work hard. But, you know, we had a good coaching staff. We had a coaching staff. Uh, that put in uh, offense, defense, and uh, we won with special teams. Even our special teams, we would contribute, and um, that's what makes all teams that win special because they have the drive and a desire uh, to win all games. Joe Namath won a Super Bowl. Uh, Lenny Dawson won the Super Bowl, and you had two MVPs wrapped around that, and you were arguably the best player all that time. So, at that time, it was frustrating. Uh, you wanted to win. You wanted to win the Super Bowl, but you outplayed some of these guys and had a lot of respect for your brothers from the AFL who were going on to win and having accomplishments and winning Super Bowls. You understood the strength of the league and how important those victories were. Well, yeah, that's what made us. Uh, that's what I was very pleased that played in, in the AFL, yeah. which merged with the NFL and stuff. And we always wanted to be competitive. And I played twelve years. And I think 10 out of the 12 was in playoffs, uh, championships, or Super Bowls. And the other time we were very close. So, uh, you know, 
I played with some great football players and had some great teammates, and that's what was so special to me. And it was always us and we. It was never I, I, or me, me. And, and I, that's what I remember the game being, and uh, it was very, very special. One of the most accomplished Raiders of all time. It's an honor to talk to Daryl LaMonica. So you watch games now. You watch Raider games, and I see you at the Commitment to Excellence Awards. And when you get a chance to go to games and come on the field and you're honored, what frustrates you about football today when you watch it? Or what brings you joy? When you watch a typical football game, what are your emotions like considering how competitive you are? Well, uh, you know, we have a lot of individuals playing the game I think today not not as team and to me you win or lose as a team and that includes offense defense and special teams that's every player but you don't care who's doing the job on the field you got to pull for that guy you got to make sure he's up and for a quarterback you got to balance it up you got to keep everybody happy and wide receivers that was one of my toughest things if I was throwing the ball to Blitnikoff or to Warren Wells or something and, and, and Cliff Branch wanted the ball or my tight ends wanted the ball you try to spread it around and that changes and stays pretty level from game to game but uh, that's that's what I look at today. I, uh, we need more teamwork. We need more individual uh, guys playing together as a team. And, uh, you know, that all comes from coaching, I think. I, I like Gruden. I think he's going to do a hell of a job uh, now that we're, you know, in Vegas. You know, it's a brand-new stadium. They're not a new team, though. They're kind of a seasoned veteran team to a degree. And we got a chance maybe of really doing well this year and, and changing a lot of minds around. And, uh, you know, I'm there pulling for him 100% because I, I, I like Derek Carr as a quarterback. I think he has a lot of potential. Uh, Marcus uh, Mariota has a lot of talent and ability, too. So, you know, we have a good year offensively, but we've got to win a championship with defense. Tell me how far back you go with Derek Carr, the Fresno connection, and just in general seeing him around because I know Derek looks up to you and former quarterbacks, and you like to mentor and at least give some advice. A little bit more about Derek Carr and what his ceiling could be. Can he take that next step and be a championship quarterback? Yeah, there's no doubt about it. He has a lot. I I tease him all the time. He was going to say, break all my records. I said, well... I said all my records in 12 games, 14 games. You're playing 16 uh, games. <laughs> he would just laugh. He didn't know. But he has all that ability. It's a matter of, of uh, the coaching, putting in the right plays. I think uh, what I've seen in the past with the Raiders, we've got to keep the field wider longer and play on the entire width of the field. The field's 53 and a third yards wide, so it, it opened bigger passing lanes for him, and I think he'll be very – uh, talented. He he's got the ability to throw the ball deep. We got to do it more often. We got to do it more than once or twice a game. We've got to hit some of those big passes, and I'm sure we will this year because Gruden likes to open the game up and and, and be more aggressive. And with that, I think uh, either quarterback we have will be competitive. And but uh, I think Derek is going to be a big year for him, and I'm pulling for him, and I hope uh, they can get a Super Bowl. That is a great soundbite. I'm going to send that out to the Raider Nation. It is beautiful. Daryl, tell everybody what you're doing in your life today. How do you find joy and happiness today with your family? What's a typical day like for you? Well, I've got a beautiful family. I've got two little grandsons coming up. They're my future little quarterbacks. And uh, I've got a granddaughter. And with, with the disease that we're staying close to home, we, we have them over at least once a week for, for dinner and, and stuff. And then 
I fish a lot. Uh, I can get in my boat and go to the lake and not be bothered by worrying about picking up any disease anywhere. And, uh, you know, i got a beautiful wife. We've been married uh, 50 years now, and uh, we try to eat out as lunch as much as we can <laughs> and stuff. But uh, I've got a beautiful family, a beautiful life, and I'm, uh, I'm a very fortunate guy. Well, you know how much you mean to me. It's an honor to see you when I do. And we didn't get a chance to sit down with our wives together in Napa this year because of this. And there's so many big events lining up in Vegas uh, once COVID-19 is behind us. And we know we're going to see you out here a lot. And, again, an honor to talk to you. You be well. Thank you. Appreciate it. You got it. Daryl LaMonica. Uh, wow. Way to go, Bobby. Nice, nice interview there. I want to make sure we send over that soundbite to Derek Carr. And uh, Derek has that because obviously Derek has tweeted out today on the loss of Daryl LaMonica and how kind he was to him. Wow, this hit like a this hit hard today. And a lot of people are hurting today on the passing of Daryl LaMonica, especially his teammates, Fred Bolitnikoff, Raymond Chester, George Atkinson, uh, people that I'm in touch with here. So heavy heart and uh, the Raiders will do what the Raiders do best. They will pay tribute to him, his family, and it will be great because I know what uh, how Mark Davis feels about the LaMonica family. A tough day today. If you want to call in on that interview or pay respects to Daryl LaMonica, I'm sure that will dominate our weekend here. we got a lot of programming already booked in advance, but we are paying tribute to Daryl LaMonica on a day where he passed away earlier today. Love to fish. Reportedly was fishing not too long ago and living a great life. And his grandkids have a grandfather and grandmother that they can look up to. Heavy heart today, but, uh, you know, got to do radio on days like today. Today's a big loss for the Raider Nation. Bill Krakenberger is supposed to call in America's favorite sports gambler on how to bet the draft. We had that plan for a couple of days, so we'll try to get him in. And if you want to talk about the Mad Bomber, good time to get through now before the top of the hour, 702-365-9200. We're brought to you by Remy Martin. Team up for excellence. I will have a Remy Martin sidecar, and I will toast Daryl LaMonica tonight. Yeah, I think there's always those opportunities always exist. Um, some teams are, you know, you can look at some of the statistics of teams that are more willing to trade. Um, some teams are more willing to trade uh, up. Some teams are more willing to trade back. There's some teams you look at their draft day history; um, they're not willing to trade at all. And so, you know, we we go through all that. We go through all that that data one to understand what some of the trends are of certain regimes. Um, but we also work through those conversations, and um, we're always going to be open to um, if there's a deal to um, to be made that's going to benefit the Raiders, whether it's moving up in the draft, whether it's moving back in the draft. Those are always things that we're going to be open to and entertain if we ultimately think it's going to you know be a, a, a good decision for us to add a good football player. Any chance of a last minute trade before the draft? Always a chance. Yeah, always a chance for a trade. That question's interesting to me. Asking a GM, is there a possibility for a trade? Okay. What? Is is there going to be a trade? Dave Ziegler is going to tell you he's trading up to 18. Is he going to tell you that? I mean, again, wow. 
But he had an extensive press conference yesterday. We've been playing the sound of the breaking news today. Daryl LaMonica passed away, the Mad Bomber, one of the great Raiders of all time. We played an interview just now, and we'll play another one tomorrow here on Friday. And I got a couple of mock draft guys lined up for tomorrow that we booked out. you know. And we also booked out this next guest, and I'm thrilled he's calling in. Over in Florida, on his way to AC, America's favorite sports gambler, Bill Krakenberger, kind enough to join us. And Crack, I didn't realize this is a big opportunity, gambling on the NFL draft. How prevalent is this for the Sharps? Yeah, thanks for having me on, JT. Yeah, it's, it's uh, one of my best betting events throughout the year, so much so that I'm actually flying uh, to Atlantic City uh, tomorrow night to be in Atlantic City because that's where I can bet sports. Um, uh, you know, I have much more opportunities to bet events just like this. This is a very big betting again event for the new markets, uh, the, you know, the DraftKings, FanDuel's, Barstools of the world. They put up a lot of bets. And, you know, even the Caesars brand, they put up a lot of different ways to bet the draft. And I'm just hoping from my last two years of those businesses being in business, I've had such a good success rate. And not only I, there's a lot of sharp groups that do very good uh, research. And that's what it's about. It's about research and looking at socials and, uh, you know, finding out who's going where or what you think is going to go where. Uh, Last two years have been really, really profitable. And I'm just hoping that it hasn't been so profitable that the sports books will cut down on the different offers that they uh, that, that they give us, and, and hopefully it's not going to go that way. I think we'll I think we'll be okay. So I don't understand this. Tell our, tell us more about this. Why you're so good at this? What you mentioned social media. What are you trying to do on these props? Figure out who's going where. And uh, I, so you're, you, Jacksonville goes one. The Giants yep. and the Jets have four picks in the top ten. So give me a philosophy yep. in the past on how you're winning money betting the draft. So literally, without giving the house away, let's talk about just uh, the player's drafting order. Uh, you'll, you'll put a player up and you'll say, will he go over under uh, five and a half, which that means is will, will he be the fifth pick or lower in the draft or sixth pick or higher in the draft? So you could literally bet lots of the players to go, uh, you know, which team they're going to, and, and you could bet those individual things. But those have a little bit of higher juice markets. I'm not real good about um, – I, I don't like betting like – I'll look at the first prop on the board here. Um, like, uh, let's see, the, the Buffalo Bills, let's use so that That is the first one, team draft specials. The exact position on the first drafted player by the Bills. By the way, every single team has the same bet. So defensive back is plus 175, almost 2-1. to one. Running back plus 3.5 to 1. Offensive lineman 4.5 and so on and so forth. So you can bet that for each team. If you, if you could just literally, and literally every single team, by the way, has that. Now, that particular kind of market has too much juice. There's about 25% hold. I'm not really looking to exactly do that. I, I like betting the actual players over under positions of their draft. In other words, where they go, mm-hmm. you know, like I said before, first, second, third, fourth. Uh, I, I like betting on that kind of stuff. I don't like betting on the heavily juiced futures market for almost anything. Interesting. So when it comes to your information, and again, we're not going to give the house away, is this something that you really dive into a week out ahead of the draft, or is this big prep that you've been doing in the offseason? Tell me about that. Exactly. 
exactly. Big prep is the is the thing here. Let's give you an example. That uh, the, the, the literally, I'll give you the, the number one bet that everyone likes to make. And again, it's one of those heavily used markets, so I don't like doing it. But I understand why you would. I'm going to read read the exact words here. Wording. 2022 number one draft pick. So the number one, uh, Aiden Hutchinson is, is minus two to one. You have to lay two to one on him. The number two pick, Trayvon Walker, mm-hmm. is plus two to one now. He was plus fifteen or even twenty to one less than a month ago. So uh, there is Jacksonville had a little bit, probably a little bit of a leak in their organization that they may take him. And um, you know, from what my guys were telling me. That was going to be the number one pick. It was a good bet at even, you know, five to one or eight to one or ten to one. I wouldn't be looking to take it at two to one. Uh, but that, but that, that all came literally. I don't want to use the word inside information or leaks. I, I don't like using the word inside information. People think this fixes that automatically. But when you do something in the betting market that can be leaked by someone that's making, you know, fifty, sixty, a hundred thousand a year or less. And they feel they can make ten or twenty thousand bucks. Well, I'll tell you, don't put it past them. Just like when Brady announced him coming back to football, that leak was out there for three, four days mm-hmm. before he came back to Tampa Bay. And I know myself, I bet I bet them to win the Super Bowl and stuff at some ridiculous odds of thirty, I think thirty to one or something like that. Or I don't know. I'm driving now, but I don't know the exact, exact odds. And sure enough, when it came out, he's down to seven to one. So you could get some good information just by reading social media all you got to do is read and, and keep up on the and not only the players the players aren't going to say much but how about this how about the players families the, the, the a trainer an assistant trainer there's so many little indicators in the market and what i'm talking about is like a guy like you could just look at someone like uh Kayvon, i can't remember his last name yep. there you go all right so his over under is four and a half now that means that they're saying he'll be drafted Fourth or lower, if you go under four and a half, and that's minus a dollar forty-five, or over four and a half, you can actually take a dollar fifteen. Now, there could be some stuff on social media that maybe even his brother says something. That's a unique. I picked that name purposely because it's a unique name. It's not like a guy, um, you know, Kyle Hamilton or someone, you know, that, that's a more common name. Maybe he'll just follow his brother, and his brother will say, "Yeah, you know, my brother thinks he's going to." such and such team as, the, you know, maybe their top pick, which will be number two or three. Well, that's all it takes. But he thinks he's just doing something, you know, putting something out there, just talking to his friends and stuff on social media. But actually, us guys bet on that stuff. So it's really good information. And, again, my partners are probably going to kill me if I if they hear me even talk about this. But well, that's what I do. I try to help out the fans, too. Um, you know, I, I, I'm mm-hmm. that way, and, and only on your show. Yeah, well, that's why you're America's favorite sports gambler. You win, you're transparent. A couple of things. Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, easily their best insider other than Adam Schefter on the football side, made an interesting comment after Kyrie got whacked for 50000 for flipping off the fans. Now uh, Brooklyn's down 0-2 in that series. But in the future, sports gamblers – Drinking at the game, losing bets in the middle of an in-game. You wanted to talk about this and how this could change the atmosphere at a game with a bunch of people betting on a game and how they how that will affect the athletes. Sure, sure. I know he's one of the top journalists in the area, but obviously he doesn't bet sports. So uh, in, in that arena, he, he probably should just not comment on things. Like Al Leiter shouldn't have commented on 
sports betting before it came to Jersey when he said that you, know, you can bet a million dollars on a strikeout, which of course is not true. Same thing with him. He mentioned you can bet, oh, yeah, this guy's betting, uh, you know, who scores how many points in the second quarter. Way out of his arena, way out of his league there. You can't even bet that anywhere that I know of, and I know how to bet everywhere. So uh, these guys, sometimes they look, they just look for stories and try to create, create a buzz. Um, it, 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 they really shouldn't. Uh, they, they should consult someone if not. You know, I'm not saying consult me, but, hey, consult someone that has the, the pulse of the sports betting arena before making a fool of yourself. Um, that's not the case, I don't think, as much as they're making it out to be. Now, granted, yes, I will tell you, uh, there are the sports books that have come to the market, the DraftKings and Fandles. They put up a lot more player props than anyone else in the world, and their presence in the States is giant now compared to two years ago. So I do know there is situations where people can bet on those individual players much more than it was in the past. So, yeah, you may have a fan or something say something in the arena um, you know, and, and maybe take it out on them a little bit. But I'll just tell you, I, I was a big Yankee fan. Mm-hmm. I used to go and sit right on first baseline, and I would terrorize the first base umpire if I felt they made a bad call or something, or, or, or even a player or two if I felt something. And, you know, uh, that's the job of a, of, a, of a fan. I'm not, not a fan. It's the job of a professional that gets paid millions of dollars, especially the money these guys in the NBA make. You're talking $40 million a year. These guys want to go off on players and stuff. Now, listen, fans, especially the, these young fans and stuff, they probably take it to a, new, a level that I didn't, of course, or, or people, the old school guys like myself didn't. They're kind of going overboard a little bit. We see what happened with Mike Tyson on the plane here. We heard about what happened, that, that, that this, this fan or you know, ridiculing him a little bit, and Tyson went off on him. Probably shouldn't be punching him, but the fan probably shouldn't be doing what he does either. They think they have the right to really interfere more so I'm not taking the, 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 the fan side 100%. All I'm doing is saying these guys got to know when to restrain themselves on both sides. You're a professional. You're making that kind of money. You're going to take a lot of stuff from the fans. I don't think no, no much more than you would take without sports betting, though. In other words, I think maybe the alcohol plays a bigger role than, than, the, than the player props. That's for sure. Uh, Bill Krakenberger, as we wrap it up here, yeah, the NBA playoffs – have been amazing. I, you you reached out to me and you wanted to talk about sports books coast to coast having one of their biggest months ever. I'm on the side of the fan wanting to win. Typically not on the side of the sports book and the ivory tower. How did this happen? Why did the sports books do so well? Give, give me the backstory. And there is so many more new jurisdictions opening up more and more. Louisiana is a big state for them now. Uh, New York, New York had like 1.6 billion in volume. That's that's unbelievable. It's almost double what Nevada had. This is a, a market that, that wouldn't have been existed unless these big, uh, you know, to, to, the off, to, the, to the offshore world, of course, people have been vending sports in New York, but now to these big major companies. And it brings a new element to the game. These kids that never been on sports before that, you know, they grew up on the Shacks and Kobe's and, and now, you know, of course, the LeBron's and Durant's and they said, I could do this. And NBA is a big month playoffs here. It's covered by every network, but also, Tiger Woods coming back for the Masters. That was giant for the sports books. As a matter of fact, I'll go by two big guys in the industry. One, Derek Stevens. He said on radio that if Tiger Woods was to win the Masters, it would affect the stock market on Monday. That's how many of the gaming stocks would have took a hit. And I'll also say by FanDuel's PR department, they put out a tweet 
saying there was more money bet on Tiger Woods to win the Masters this year than that was bet on the entire Masters in 2019. These sports books cleaned up on the Masters. They, everyone wanted, I mean, you had, it was like a Super Bowl box pool. You had housewives, you had guys that weren't even betting sports normally. Everyone wanted to bet on Tiger and, you know, Rudy, he's the biggest public interest. All I'll say is, you know, Tiger, great guy on the course. Uh, all these golfers should really, you know, kiss his feet for all the money he brought to golf. And Phil Mickelson, all these guys, they made a ton of money because Tiger brought the sport to the millennials. Off the, off the uh, golf course, Tiger, not the best person. Uh, I'm not a real big fan, but one of the greatest golfers ever. Sportsbooks made a lot of money because of Tiger this month. Wow. Isn't that great? Bill Krakenberger telling all the gamblers out there about the edge you need to win money, make money. Last one, you picked up on it quick. I'm on the radio, and the Pelicans win. And the Pelicans win, and in real time, I put out a tweet and said, who was on this? Who was on it? I, I mean, you know, I don't have 2 million followers, but I got a decent amount of followers. Who had the Pelicans over the Suns? Booker pulls his hamstring. He's going to be out. So I, I throw it out there, not one bleeping response on the vast world of Twitter. Not one person says, hey, JT, you know, I had the Pelicans on the money line to win. How about the Pelicans to cover? So where are all these charlatans with all their paid picks and what they're selling? No one wants to take credit for this. Why was it so quiet after that game? That was hard. That was hard to believe. You didn't get one response of anyone saying I had the Pelicans posting a ticket. Uh, It's the business we're in. It really is. You just don't see that. Uh, unfortunately, so many people have made it a bad look in the industry because there are so many charlatans and, and, and literally potion, uh, snake oil salesmen, potion guys that are out there, uh, especially on Twitter, hiding. Under, you know, nobody uses uh, their, their real names on, on Twitter that most of them, most people don't anyway. So it's, it is, you're right. No one, uh, no one has posted those tickets, but I'll say one thing. There's a lot of people posting a lot of things about winners. <laughs> No one talks about losers, man. It's not, it's not sexy. It's not fun. But it's really, you have to do your due diligence, guys, out there. You, you have to go with someone. If you can't put the time in to handicap the games yourself, you have to go with somebody that has hours and time and that's been around, which syndicates their life, and, and that wins. Because everyone claims to win, but no one has any back-tested methods that, that they're willing to share on Twitter except for a couple winning tickets that they may get off their buddies and say that they gave them the games terribly. Bill Krakenberger, always appreciate it. Check out all the work. Check them out at CrackWins, CrackWins.com. I'll talk to you before the draft. Have a great week, buddy. Thank you, buddy. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you, Bill. Bill Krakenberger driving as he texted me from Fort Myers to Naples where he'll go up and he'll bet the NFL draft. Look, I'm not a gambler. I interview gamblers. And he told me and he texted me, this is when you pounce. There's, if you're into the NFL draft, you can make money gambling. Much easier than betting a football game and betting the outcome of a football game where you don't know an interception, you don't know what's going to happen on a missed field goal. He says, if you want to bet, bet the NFL draft if you got some smarts. When we come back, we'll wrap it up. Final thoughts and tomorrow's show as we pay respects to the Mad Bomber, Daryl Monica, who passed away this morning. A lot of good social media out there, and we'll build. It will build with the Raider Nation as they're finding old pictures and stories and autographs about one of the great Raiders of all time. When you hear once a Raider, always a Raider, and other teams now copy it, once a Villanova Wildcat, get out of here. It's once a Raider, always a Raider. 
Embiid, Maxi trying to break free. They circle around. It's Joel. He turns. He fires for three. It's a. It's good. Embiid. He makes his shot, and the Sixers have taken the lead. Joel Embiid along the far sideline, and the Sixers take the lead. What a shot by Joel Embiid last night in Toronto. Seven footer, knocking down a three to win a game. That was pretty cool. I was going to spend a lot of time today talking about Brooklyn losing to the Celtics. Today's an interesting day, and, you know, Bobby and I plan on doing this show. We plan the show for tomorrow a couple of days in advance. That's how it works in radio. And we got a gut punch today when we came in here about 20 minutes before the show and saw the report that Daryl Monica died. Uh, We care about the LaMonica family, so Bobby had to adjust. We blew off a couple of guests. We played an interview. We'll do that tomorrow, too. We'll play another interview that we have of Daryl LaMonica. And I know Q, I just saw him in the hallway. He'll be taking your calls on that and uh, looking forward. I'm looking forward to the tribute that the Raiders eventually are going to do for Daryl LaMonica because whenever someone passes away, uh, Mark Davis makes it a massive priority massive priority to pay tribute because these are all people he knows and these are his friends and he knows the family well so we'll wait to hear what the Raiders have to say keep an eye on all the Raiders social media there in regards to the draft so tomorrow's Friday one more show then next week we got remotes we got the draft and this is the first time for all of us we have no idea what this is going to look like Bobby's telling me so a week from Thursday a week from today I'm hosting at Caesars from noon to 2, and then i got to get across the street to the Cromwell, and Bobby's like, good luck. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's a two-minute walk or five-minute walk. No, 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 there might be 400,000 people there. So we're trying to put the logistics together. Also, Eric Allen will be a part of our broadcast. Jason Fitz, Q, Vinny Bonsignor. So we'll have that team coverage here on the flagship from morning all the way through the draft pick. We're assuming that the Raiders aren't going to have a pick in the first or second round, but don't assume, right? Anything could happen there with Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Josh McDaniels' birthday today, as we saw that on the Raiders' social media. So happy birthday to the new coach of the Silver and Black. Hey, think of Daryl LaMonica tonight. What I normally do, my wife's out of town in Florida visiting her mom and dad and sister. I'm going to do my last show of the week tonight and then crack a cold one. And uh, toast and a cigar to Daryl LaMonica. He was very kind to me. He was very generous with his time. And uh, we all have a heavy heart today and tonight. And we will on losing the Mad Bomber. A lot of Raider players reacting, too. Have a great day. Q on deck. And Vinny Bonsignor, thanks to Bobby and all our guests. R.I.P. to Daryl LaMonica. Rest in peace. Oh,